the number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non-published number. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. Welcome to another segment of the UCW Radio Show. This is your host, Lou Velasquez, and I want to thank all of our listeners for your continued support just by listening to the show. In just a little while, we're going to have a TV sitcom legend on the show. Along with the late Red Fox, uh, the duo paved the way for African Americans in television. His name is Damon Wilson, and he's better known as the role he played as Lamont Sanford on the hit TV sitcom uh, of the 70s, Sanford and Son. And it's because of this show that the likes of The Cosby Show and The Jeffersons were able to spawn and prosper. And that was just the beginning. Uh, honestly, he's probably one of the most underpraised actors in television for, for the things that he's done. Him and Red Fox were true pioneers in the TV sitcom arena. They paved the way for what's happening, well, what has happened over the years for Afri African Americans in uh, the TV sitcom arena. And I look, I look forward to the day that mainstream media makes a statement recognizing his efforts. But until that time comes, we will do that right here on the UCW radio show. Now, before we bring uh, Damon Wilson on the show, we need to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I just want to talk about the auditions for the Ultimate Body reality show. Uh, the auditions went great in Florida over the weekend. I personally uh, interviewed dozens of hopefuls. Uh, I was exhausted when it was all said and done. Uh, and from what I'm understanding, we at the UCW radio show will possibly be bringing the Ultimate Body auditions to sunny Miami, Florida, and New York City very shortly. So stay tuned, because this is going to get very interesting. It's going to open up the doors for a lot more contestants to come out and be a part of this great uh, reality show that's going to take place, the first of its kind. But you can go to uh, theultimatebodytvshow.com to find out more about the uh, the actual show and keep tabs on what's going on. And I will uh, let uh, our listeners know when uh, things develop. Uh, now on Saturday, November 14th in Plymouth, Ma in Plymouth, Massachusetts, you can find me and my celebrity friends as we attend the largest mixed martial arts event in the New England area. It's called Cage Fighting Extreme or uh, Cage FX for short. The event is uh, Rumble in the Jungle at the Jungle Plex in Plymouth. This is an event that benefits U.S. troops, so it's a good cause. And I have to warn you that tickets, they sell out very quickly, very quickly for these events, as the house is always packed. Not in the hundreds, but in the thousands. And this is a big deal run by one of the classiest ladies in professional sports, I believe, Linda Shields. She's a great she's a great lady doing something that's amazing. And the website is cagefx.com, so you can go there to find out more. And also Celebrity Boxing, I've been speaking about it on Wednesday, February 3rd, 2010 at the over 18,000 seat Bank Atlantic Center in Sunrise, Florida. Celebrity Boxing is coming to you again to support the troops. 
this is brought to you by a good group of people. Christopher Gambino is right on top of his game. And just recently, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Uh, signed on, as well as a lot of other celebrities that I can't mention right now. But trust me, this is a not-to-be-missed event. If you're going to be there for the Super Bowl and you're going to be there for the Pro Bowl, you have to go to, to, to this event. It's a must-go-to event. And the website is MyCelebrityBoxing.com. And, again, you'll see all the, um, you'll see a lot of celebrities there, and you'll see myself. So you can come over and say hello if I'm not too busy uh, speaking to everyone out there. But if I see you, you say hello, I'll, say, I'll take a minute and um, spend a little time with you. Uh, and, also, we want to hear from our listeners. So give us a call. You call in, leave your questions and comments for the guests that we have on, for me, for that matter, whatever you want to do. Uh, my The number you can call is 323-952-4369. That's 323-952-4369. And, uh, again, we want uh, interaction from our listeners. So feel free to get in touch with us. And you can always go to, to our website at ucwmagazine.com to find out more about what's going on. And if you're on Twitter, you can shoot me out some tweets. That's fine, too. You can tweet your questions or comments as well for our guests and for myself. My Twitter name is Luis Velasquez. That's L-O-U-I-S-V-E-L-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. And you can follow me and tweet away. Now, without further ado, I want to bring on one of the pioneers in, in TV sitcom history. As I said earlier, along with Red Fox, uh, again, they paved the way for what ultimately became op an opportunity for African Americans to excel in the uh, television arena. So without, you know, he's on hold right now, so without keeping him uh, waiting too long, uh, let's bring him on. This is Damon Wilson. Damon, welcome to the UCW radio show. It's really great to have you on the show today. Well, now, you know what? I, I honestly, it's an honor for me. You know, uh, but I, I let me just give for for our listeners. I want to give some broad strokes on you. Uh, one of your major claims of fame was your role as Lamont Sanford on the hit sitcom uh, with Red Fox, Sanford and Son. Uh, I used to love that show, uh, but that was just one chapter of your life. At, at a young Absolutely. age, yeah, and at a young age, I, I kind of I know this that something happened to you that actually changed your life forever. Uh, so what I want to do is begin at that point. So can you tell sure, us about no the event that, that changed your life? When I, when I was like 11, 12 years old, my appendix erupted. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, had a, I had a life death experience. And, and, and it was the first time that I had an epiphany that God revealed himself to me. And uh, I panicked. I, I, was, I, I, I grew up on a 146 in Amsterdam Ave mm -hmm. in Sugar Hill. And uh, my 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 dad, I kept telling my dad that I was in, in a great deal of pain, and he he, you know, like most dads, like Chris Rock said, whatever. He bro if you broke a leg in his house, his father said, put some rubber dust on it, it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so when I told my dad that I that you know that this pain in my stomach was crippling, he said, you've been drinking too much cold milk and exercising too much and doing too much sports. Go back to bed. And on the third time up, he turned on the light and, and he looked at me and uh, he said, oh, my God, this kid's dying. And he, he took me up in, in his arms and wrapped me in a blanket. And our neighbor, I remember Mr. Miller, had an old 1949. Now, this is like circa 55, 56. Okay. Mr. Miller had an old, uh, an old uh, 49 Buick 
the old big bad thing. When you turn the corner, you slide out the other door. Oh, yeah, like the, the pit mobile. Yeah, absolutely. They took me up to, oh, no, it was before that. It was before, it was like the John Garfield gangster movie cars. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, 49 Buick. And so uh, they took me up to uh, medical center. Okay. And uh, just as I was going in, I, my appendix erupted. And uh, oh, wow. as I said, I panicked because I felt my body levitating. I felt my, my, my spirit coming out of my body, literally. Wow. And I panicked. You know, you're a little kid. You don't know about that. Right. And a uh, voice spoke to my heart and said, relax. It's going to be okay. You have a future in me. Okay. And I relaxed. And then, the, and then the same thing happened when I was in Vietnam. The first time I got under fire, I panicked. And people around me are being being blown up and shot in half. And, and I panicked. And, and the voice spoke to my heart again and said, relax. Right. I told you, you have a future in me. Well, I came home and... and, and Thus began the theater thing again because I, I I stopped when I got drafted. So dropped out of, out of, I dropped out of college to do a play in Washington. So can I interrupt and, you for uh, a second, Damon? I'm yes, sorry. Sir. I just want to backtrack a little bit. So when that happened, when you were you know in the hospital, you had that um, that epiphany and you, know, you you found God at that point. Now, well, after, I didn't find him. He found, he found you. Me. He, 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 he wasn't found lost. you. He found you exactly. He found you. Let me just correct that. Now, at, at what point, did you, were you doing theater after that? Is that what happened? Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, because I, I know was, I, I know was, you went to Vietnam. And, and yeah, I was winding that whole thing up and tell you what how, how the epiphany helped helped oh. me in my life to, to okay. move into the area of ministry. Okay, go right ahead. Uh, when, I, when I came back from, from Vietnam, um, I, you know, tried to get my career jump started again, and I, I did a play up in Harlem mm -hmm. at the National Black Theater called Five on the Black Hand Side. Okay. And the play uh, had a lot of people that are famous today that were in the play, you know, the late Teresa Merritt and Lyle Wilson and, and Janelle Allen and mm -hmm. and um, uh, a lot of famous people today that were in there, Ed Bernard. And, and uh, the play, the people from Broadway came up and saw it and they took the play to Broadway. It later became a movie. Mm -hmm. that Brock Peters directed called Five on the Black Hand Side. And I went from there to Lonnie Elder. The late Lonnie Elder had an award-winning off-Broadway play called Ceremonies and Dark Old Men mm -hmm. at the Pocket Theater, and they cast me uh, in, in that. And then I started working at, down at the uh, Public Theater mm -hmm. with Joe Papp, Al Pacino, and my friend Raul Julia, the late Raul Julia, was down there, and, right. and Ron O'Neill, and uh, 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 Ed Pressman, the heir apparent to Pressman Toys uh, right. was making a transition into filmmaking, and he cast me in a, a film up in Canada called The Dealing, or the Berkeley to Boston 40 Brick Bag Lost Blues. And uh, John Lithgow made his film debut in that movie, and uh, uh, Barbara Hershey was in the movie. She was Barbara Siegel in those days, mm -hmm. and Charles Durning. And, um, and I did that movie up in Toronto, Canada, and went back to Broadway, and Walter Mirisch, uh, came from Sam Goldwyn Studios to New York to cast a Sidney Poitier film. They call me Mr. Tibbs, one of those um, Mr. Tibbs films. And, and, yeah. and they cast myself and uh, Raul Julia and Ron O'Neill. And when I was reading for the play, I said, I got on, I went and I, I mean, I went, I went down to audition for the movie and there was every black actor in New York at that time down there. Right. With the exception of Richard Roundtree, because he had had made his bones in Shaft the year prior, and um, 
I came home uh, back up to the apartment on 146, and I got on my knees by the bed, and I said, Father God, if you allow me to have this role, then I know it's going to lead to fame, and I will do nothing to dishonor you or my family. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in 15 years, I'll give you the rest of my life. And it was 15 years to the week that God said, okay, you're famous now. Let's go. And then, that's yeah. when I started. That's when I started ministry in, in, uh, in '82. Okay. And w- when when was it that you got the uh, the role in Sanford and Son? Well, I I did a I did a um, I, I I came and, and, into, and moved into California, Southern California, uh, after about a month or two after the film up in up in San Francisco with Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. And uh, my manager agent at the time called me up and he said. Um, have you ever watched All in the Family? And I said, never heard of it. Don't watch television. He says, well, watch it. And I watched it, and I called him back an hour later. It was on Saturday night, first season of All in the Family. It's all, everything I'm seeing me was all in my new book, mm-hmm. Second Banana. And um, uh, I told him, I, th- I said, I think the show is despicable. I think the lead character, not the actor, Carol O'Connor, but the character, Archie Bunker, mm-hmm. is despicable. And where I'm from, his name would be on an endangered species list. <laughs> but you know, Luis, I had I had a bad habit when I came from Vietnam. It was called eating. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, <laughs> there were no film roles coming. Everything was television. I, I never wanted to do television. You know, you get typecast when you do that. Yeah. And and so um, I said, okay. I felt like a total sellout until I read the script. And myself and the late Cleavon Little from Blazing Saddles fame break into the bunker household, pull a gun on Archie steal his stuff, and flip the script on him. And I said, where do I sign? Uh, the year That was the first year of All in the Family. It was the number mm-hmm. one show. The show got huge ratings. That episode just went through the roof. Actually, I remember and, that uh, episode. Now uh, that, that and, you brought uh, it up, I remember it, yeah. And the year prior to that, Red had done a movie uh, directed by uh, the late Ozzie Davis called Cotton Comes to Harlem, where he played an unc- a, a junk man named Uncle Bud. And Buddy Yorkin and Norman Lear, Tandem Productions, they had the rights to two British successful hit shows. One was Till Death Do Us Part, which became All in the Family. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Steptoe and Son, which was a, a hit in Britain for 17 years called Steptoe and Son, which became Sanford and Son. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we want to put, Buddy Yorkin said, I want to put Red Fox in this, in this script that we have, in this adaptation. And, the, and everybody said, Red Fox is blue, works blue. You can't put him on television. Anyway, who would you put next to him as his foil? I mean, who would be the straight man? And he said, this young theater-trained kid from New York, Jamon Wilson, his timing is impeccable. And I think that the two of them would balance and the chemistry would be wonderful. And they put Red and I together, and, and it was magic. No, no, no doubt it was and magic. To this, yeah. And to this day, it's still magic. And it's, it's in 42. My books are selling around the world. I'm selling books in Spain and Africa and China and Wales and, and London, all over Canada. Sanford and Son is in 42 foreign countries every day. Yep, and, and it's on TV, world. on TV land every day, and sometimes I catch it. And it's interesting how, you know, time, some things are timeless, and that's a show that's kind of timeless. You know, you can't. Well, do, you know, when you, think of hit, when you think of classic television shows in this order, it's I Love Lucy, mm-hmm. the Andy Griffith Show, yeah, Sanford and Son, mm-hmm. and All in the Family. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're absolutely right those, about those that. Are, those are classic, classic, classic. You know that that show was so successful because of the synergy and the and the the chemistry between Red and I, and also because it was a universal theme. It was a love between a parent and a child, and a love that a child had for his father. Uh, you know, Lamont wasn't stupid. He wasn't a dummy. He knew that Fred was a con, but right. he loved that old man so much that he stayed, protected him, mm-hmm. took care of him. You notice yeah. Fred didn't get tough until Lamont was there. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be and, and he protected him, and he kept that business as meager as it was. They wasn't on welfare. They didn't punch no clock. Mm-hmm. They didn't live in no projects. They lived over in Watts. They had their own house, their own junkyard, and contrary to popular belief, entrepreneurialism. As mm-hmm. meager as it was, that's the business. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. That's what this country is built on. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what this country is built on. And that show, it is interesting how they had you cast as a character that actually should have went to college, probably should have been an attorney or a doctor or something like that, but you stood there with your father. With his pop, because that was the business that his pop established. And and see, you have a lot of people, a German derivation, Irish derivation, Mm -hmm. Jewish derivation, that came to this country, and that's exactly what they did. They started businesses, and and their kids held that business together for them. And that's, that's the American way, and that's why their show connected yeah. On such a strong level. I mean, you know, if you look at the other show, Bill Cosby was a doctor. Yeah. That's fine. The, the, the Jeffersons, he, he had his own business. Right. He had a dry cleaning business. And, and, and for me, you know, that spirit of entrepreneurialism was lost during the Martin Luther King Jr. era. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean disrespect. I think that Martin Luther King did wonderful things, but the thing that he did not do was he got black people away from self-reliance and got them into that area of codependency. And now you have young, bright, gifted, talented, smart black children coming out of universities without an inkling, without a clue to a spirit of entrepreneurialism. All they want is a job and they start using their talent Mm -hmm. and their skills to make other people wealthy. And that's just wrong. There's a disconnect somewhere because you know. It's yeah, it happened back in the in the days. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not advocating a, a, a Malcolm X, of you know, a separate but equal. I'm advocating. You said it earlier. It's what this country is based on. Sure, sure. You know, if you follow these knuckleheads with these corporations, they're all being arrested. Yeah, well, you know, because that's why this country, as we as we talked about, was built on the small business entrepreneurism, uh, going out there manufacturing things of that nature. Absolutely. And but then Absolutely. we, but we went. What it was it in in, in the night? Well, the eighties after the seventies, you still had uh, that entrepreneurism out there. But then in the eighties, we started going from a manufacturing country to a service country. Wrong. That's like that's like you know. I tell a lot of people. You know, a lot of people live. They they don't make anything. All they all they are is consumers. Right. Right. And we but, were a nation of of consumers. Yeah. Well, look look at what happened here. You know, we we were a servicing country and went into financial servicing, and that was it. That was the main source, especially in New York. That was about sixty percent of the tax revenue. I know. Craftsmanship. Yep. Is out the window. Yep. Everything today is mass-produced. When I grew up back in the 50s, late 40s, early 50s, you could go and get a pair of shoes made. You could go and get a suit made. I mean, they were craftsmen. You could go 
and a guy would take your shoes that you had mm-hmm. been wearing every day for six months and put a new cat paw on it, a new heel on it, yep. and new laces in it, and refurbish that leather, and, and, and people that didn't know would think you had on new pair of shoes. Right. And the thing is, that, that, that craftsmanship, you know, it doesn't adhere to it. Everything is mass manufactured, you know. It's funny, you know, my, my girlfriend, she actually goes out there and she, ha- she buys these, these vintage clothing. Clothing from the 1920s and 30s, whatever it may be, that's in better condition than the stuff you can go buy brand oh, new in the store. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. My father's, my father's father. My dad was a tailor. Mm-hmm. His father was a tailor, and it was like it was like handed down. You know, it's, it was like. It, but the kids today, they don't want to be with their father. If their father has a craft. They don't want to do that. No, they want to go. They want to get. They want to get a job. Yeah, but they also want to go. Make somebody and... else rich. Yeah, and they want to go and go hang out and, and have fun and all that other stuff. You know, it's good. You want to enjoy your life. I mean, your life's here to be enjoyed. But at the same time, yeah, you need to do something. Because if you build that foundation in a business, whatever that business may be, you know something, you'll never be out of work because you can always do something. Absolutely and, right. And you're building your communities. You're building all that stuff around you. You know, and, 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 and you're right on point with that, without a doubt. You know, we had, um, before the show, I mentioned his name, but uh, what was it, about a, a couple of months ago, we had Phil Morris on the show. And I know that uh, you were, you did a guest, uh, a guest starring role on Mission Impossible with his father, Greg. Yeah, with Greg. Yeah, how was that experience when you did that Mission Impossible? It was a wonderful experience. As a matter of fact, I saw Phil. You have Phil on your show? Yeah, Phil, he's the... Yeah, I, I, the last time I saw Phil, about three years ago, mm-hmm. was in Hollywood, and I walked up to him, and I hugged him, and I kissed him on the cheek, and mm-hmm. I, that was my friend. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know, Demond, I know. Well, Phil Morris is one of the, you know, he's he's a good friend of the talented, show. Talented, talented artist. Very talented, he's a sweetheart. You know, it's funny, we had a, we, when, he, we, when he came on the show, uh, he said, all right, Lou, how long do we have? I said, well... We'll probably go about a half hour or so. He said, well, let's go. We're on the phone for about an hour and a half. But I love the guy. I'm going to see him in January at an event. Was, that he, we was he in New York or he called, called in? No, we're in California. Actually, I called him, you know, uh, because he, he's, he's also a fighter. I don't know if you knew that. But he's, he's a Wing Chun uh, master. And he's... Uh, yeah, I knew he was martial arts. Yeah, he's big. He's big. He, he can hurt somebody. But he's the sweetest guy in the world. But he said, but you know what? Even with him, what did he tell me? And, and this, this you're going to agree with. He said to me, he said, Lou, you know what? He said, I, I do all this stuff, but you know something? I have a high level of integrity for myself, and I have a high level of respect for the business that I do. That's why I work so hard. And I said, you know something? I wish more people had those views because we would be in a better position today. Oh, absolutely. I remember when his father was giving him karate lessons when he was a teenager. Yeah, well, on, on the lot? Oh, no, 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 no. no. He was, he was talking about his kids. He was very proud of his children. Yeah. No, but talking I mean, about Greg. Yeah, I know. But was he doing it when he was filming Mission Impossible? Because I know Phil was telling me that when he was on the lot and he started to learn because he was around there with all the other shows and everything. Yeah, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was telling me that his kid was, was, was you know, a big deal in the, in the martial arts thing, that he was going to be good one day. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know the thing is, is that Phil doesn't do anything with the with the martial arts that you know this is his own thing for him this is his own thing and you know he, again he's a, he's a great guy but, but we're talking too much about him <laughs> this is about you this is about you so uh let, 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 let's move forward now not not to make the show today uh, that biblical but as i said you know you you made it a point uh 
or you found a way or that you were going to serve God. That was your thing. And this happened when you were younger. Now, can you tell us what you've been doing? Because I know that, you know, what you've been doing with that. But Because I, I know that you did something with the Restoration House, which I thought yeah, that was I, interesting. I went into ministry. I did Sanford and Son right. on NBC. I did Baby I'm Back on CBS. I did The New Odd Couple on ABC. I produced that. And I did a... Uh, show on, I produced Baby I'm Back and I did a show with Ron Glass mm -hmm. uh, called The New Odd Couple on ABC and then I produced a show called Demond Wilson and Company on the BET mm -hmm. Network and um, the, and then after, after, after uh, The New Odd Couple was when uh, I started studying for the ministry and I preached the gospel around the world for mm -hmm. the better part of uh, 15 years right. and um, I, I used to go into the penitentiaries Red and I used to go into penitentiaries uh, when we would do variety shows during our, our hiatus, I started as a dancer in the business and Red was a monologist and we used to mount vaudeville type shows. And okay. We'd travel around to, to, to big fairs and, 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 and huge nightclubs and arenas and we'd do shows. And whatever city we were in, we'd go into the penitentiary and entertain the inmates. And then when I, after I had my epiphany uh, and went into ministry, <clears throat> I started going into the penitentiaries to witness. I was up in, in Indianapolis, and, mm -hmm. and, and I was uh, visiting the uh, friend of mine that went to college with me with the uh, transitional warden up there. This is circa 90, 94. Mm -hmm. And I went, I went. he found out I was in town, and he said, Demond, I got about 150, 200 guys I'm getting ready to kick, kick out on the sidewalk in the next 30 days. Would you come and talk to him? And I said, cool. And I went and I spoke to him for about an hour, and, and then I went and I spent two hours with Mike Tyson. Okay. And I started sending him books, and, you know, he was getting his GED through Nation of Islam in those days. Mm -hmm. And uh, I put some positive thoughts in his, in, his, in, his, in, his, in, his, in his spirit, and he was, he was doing the right thing when he first came out, but then he got with Don King, and he went, got worse than he was before. Yeah. But on the way back to Southern California... I said, you know, what am I doing? These guys, I'm inspiring these guys. The recidivism rate for guys returning to prison is like something like 75% of them in a five-year period of time go back. I need to put something together for them. And that's when the Restoration House program was uh, was born. I, uh, the Restoration House was for first-time offenders, nonviolent crimes, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we're teaching skills, GED, some college prep courses, but mostly vocational skills, and ground floor entrepreneurialism. Okay. I had a guy that went through a program, and he was a heroin addict for 17 years, mm -hmm. slamming junk in his arm for 17 years. Never robbed anybody, never went to prison. Now, you know you got to be pretty clever to shoot smack for 17 years without a job. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, now he has a, you know, he cleaned up when he came out of prison, and he has a, a program called Mr. He has a business called Mr. Squeegee. He started out with one old raggedy truck, mm -hmm. more raggedy than the Ford that Lamont drove, and and now he's got a fleet of trucks. And what he does is he he power washes office buildings and houses, and and has a very lucrative million dollar year uh, business. Another guy went through. I I you know we had the first thing I learned when I went into, into the military was how to wax the floor. You lift mm -hmm. up, it goes left. You push down, it goes right. And we're teaching guys how to sand floors and, and wax floors and renew floors. Ground floor entrepreneurialism that you don't have to go down there and put in an application and get a job for. Right. I, I like know, that. Uh, 
I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, and so that's that's basically uh, what the pro pro program is is about. See the yeah. the, the, the story that you just told about uh, the guy that created the business squeegee thing and and these power washing office buildings and everything. I love stories like that because it just shows and and, it, and it, this proves a point that if, and I say it all the time that if you put your mind to something and you really want something, you're gonna make it happen. You, you, well, that's you, what the country the country's based on yeah. on 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 that. You know, my son is is in the golf industry. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's assistant GM at a, at a country club, and I put him in that industry when he was when he was right out of high school, because right. um, uh, golf is my passion. But um, when he was ten, eleven years old, it was it was when video games first started coming out. You know, they had mm -hmm. all these box things, whatever you call it. I don't I never played a video game. Xbox, PlayStation. No, that was before that was before that was before the Xbox. Oh, Atari yeah, probably or something. Atari, yes, yes. <laughs> but the video games started evolving and they were expensive. They were like eighty, ninety dollars, some of them even more. Yeah. And he wanted all these video games. And I said, Chris, you need to get a job and he said, Daddy, I'm twelve years eleven years old, what am I gonna do? And I said, Your sister's an artist. I had his sister who did the who did the layout for my book? Mm -hmm. And they were kids then. I had her draw a truck, a van, um, a station wagon, and a sedan. Mm -hmm. And I gave him the lettering to put on it. And he went around the neighborhood and he stuffed all of the doors and the mailboxes with his car washing business. I took him to Lowe's or Home Depot. I don't remember which one. Mm -hmm. And I bought him one of those big wooden wagons with the huge wheels on it. I bought okay. him chamois cloths, wax, I bought him carnauba, and I bought him uh, the, the other kind of paste wax, and I bought him rags and towels and squeegees. And I put this kid in the business. This kid was making $250, $300 a week at 11 years old nice. and, and just just a bunch of games. And what he would do, though, he, he, he didn't listen to me. He would, he would eat his seed. You know, instead of putting back in the business, he would he would spend all of the money that he made on video games, and then the people would be calling him, Chris, we need you to come do the van. He, charged, he was charging hundred dollars for vans. He was charging fifty dollars for cars. He'd go to the houses, right. and and in the neighborhood, and he said, Daddy, I don't have any product. I said, You ate your product, you idiot. You don't do that. <laughs> you take that money and you restock your stock. That's how you're making your money, man. Yeah. What's wrong with you? But I'm, I'm just saying, those are the kind of businesses. And now, I told him, I said, if you had stayed in that business, you'd have a fleet of trucks like mm -hmm. that. You've seen those guys with the trucks at the hold yeah. that come to your office? Yeah. Those guys get $250 to detail your car. They they get paid. They get paid. And then, then you branch out into other things, like when they come and I told him, no, no, no. I said, you don't, you don't even have to do that. You run that. Mm -hmm. You hire somebody, a uh, 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 contractor. Just sends those guys out, and you you own the whole thing, Chris. You wouldn't have to do anything. He says, "Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore." Can, can, but but you he's know, working. He's working for somebody now. But you know something with the story you told with that. If more parents looked at their kids, even at the young age, and said, "You know what? I'm going to teach you something," because you taught him something. Okay, how to fend for himself, how to go out there. Hustle, but do it the right way and build something and build a foundation. And, and, he, and, and he didn't have a table out there selling lemonade. Right, and he was out there hustling, actually doing stuff. You know, but he had a product that people wanted. You know, people lived, we lived up in North Peak, up in up in the hills of, of, of uh, Rancho Santa Margarita in Southern California, okay. in Orange County, and 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 it was it was five miles going down the hill. So you know, he he would go around the neighborhood. 
he'd walk a mile and a half in the neighborhood, or two miles in the neighborhood, around the corner, up the street, and, 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 and people were calling him constantly, constantly, constantly calling him. And he, he, it, it got to the point where his brother and his sister had to help him. <laughs> but like I said, he wasn't a smart businessman. Instead of putting back into the business and ordering the product that he needed, he would come to me for me to lay it out for him. Oh. I did it a couple of times, and I said, nah. Yeah, it, it comes to a point that it gets a little uh, like you know you you gave him you gave him all the tools for him to do what he needed to do. All he needed to do was take it to the next level. But you know what they say, and they they say it is that like was it ninety eight percent of the people, and and it's sad, but ninety eight percent of the people in the world are sheep, and the other two percent are shepherd. You you have your leaders and your followers, and some people just I don't know for some reason they they, they don't. They're not meant to go and, and, and... No, you left out You left out an important factor that you overlooked. Yeah. He was lazy. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you said it before, spoiled kid, rich kid. He was lazy. He yeah. didn't want to do that. He only did it to buy video games. And, yeah. and he would only work enough to buy the new games that came out that he and his brother wanted to play. And once he got the games, he, he, you know, he would ignore the phone calls that people were coming in. Oh. Calling you, I need to speak to Christopher. I need Christopher to come on Wednesday and do my van. I need Chris to come and do my car. And he he didn't care. He was in there busy with his thumbs and his brother. <laughs> well, you know, at least you know the people that you're showing uh, now that you're laying that groundwork for now have the ability of of building and making things happen. And you proved it with someone already. And and, yeah, and you're going to continue yeah. to do that. Now, now, Demond, you're you're a minister, but you're also an author. You spoke about a couple of your books. Now, can you tell? Can you just re-mention those books and uh, that you? Yeah, uh, uh, the, my latest book is um, uh, it's called Second Banana, the Bittersweet Memoirs of the Sanford and Son Years, and it's an awesome piece. It's thirty plus years coming to the table. Um, I did not want to put anything down that was not an objective documented occurrence of what those five and a half, six years was all about. Mm -hmm. I didn't want any venom or, or any rancor in my words. And mm -hmm. so it took me that long to come to terms with everything and see everything uh, and be objective with, uh, with my storytelling. And what it is, is this, is things that people thought they knew about Red and myself and that show that they had not even an inkling, not even a clue as to what really went on. Red and I were trailblazing. We were kicking the door open. Prior to us, there were no blacks yeah. on major network television shows. You had you had blacks on shows. You had Clarence Williams on Mod Squad. Mm -hmm. You had Bill Cosby on I Spy. You had Diane Carroll on the on Julia. But those were not black shows. No. Prior to Red and I you had Nat King Cole, that was a variety show. Mm -hmm. And and the Amos and Andy show. Yeah. And you, you had the Bueller show, but that was just a black maid on a white show, Stu Irwin. Right. And Red and I kicked that door in. If it hadn't been for us, it wouldn't be a Bill Cosby show. There wouldn't be a Jefferson. There wouldn't be a Good Times. There wouldn't be a What's Happening Now. There wouldn't be a That's My Mama. We yeah. were the pioneers, and it was very difficult for us in those days. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm from, from Sugar Hill, from Harlem. Right. I, 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 I am as much man as any, as any man walking. I, I'm not, I don't fear anything that, comes out of a woman with the ground or an egg. Mm -hmm. And Red is from St. Louis, grew up with Malcolm X. I mean, you know, they were they were in the street together, hustling together in the street. Red told me, he says, that he and Malcolm were so poor at one point, they lived on the roof. Now, you know, his association with Malcolm is in Alex Haley's book. Oh, is it really? I didn't um, know that. 
Well, if you read the book, you would. No, I, I didn't read the book, so that's that's my. Well, I know everybody saw the movie, the autobiography of Malcolm X. It was adapted from the book by Alex Haley. Uh, anyway, Red said that they were so poor that they lived on the roof. And I said, what'd you do when it rained? He said, we didn't go home. That's a joke, uh, uh, yeah. Lewis. I, I know, that's why I, I, I chuckled. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear you laughing. Oh, no, I, I chuckled, chuckled, I chuckled, don't worry about it. I don't know if you got it or not. No, what'd no, I chuckled. <laughs> I didn't go home. You didn't go home when it rained because you lived on the roof. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I chuckled. Red, Don't worry about that. Red, Red was Red was a tough guy. Yeah, and I came up that way. I'm a decorated veteran of Vietnam conflict, and I, you know, people that knew me when I grew up, I was a nice kid, but I didn't get back. I was a little kid, right. skinny kid, but you know, if you pushed me, it was on. Right. And so we didn't take any nonsense from these guys, from the powers that be, and they tried to dupe us, they tried to rob us, and we stood like men, and we broke that ground, we pioneered it. And, and the more things change, the more they stay the same. There hasn't been an all-black network show mm -hmm. in over seven years. Is, is they that take blacks and stick them on the back burner. I call the back burner cable TV. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it and it's it's interesting how there's like there's always an evolution. And you guys were again, as you said, you were pioneers at that time. Trailblazer, we're blazing yeah. that trail. I mean, the book, the book, the book is funny. It's sad. Mm -hmm. It's it's informative. Uh, people that have read the book are, are coming online telling me that this book should be required reading for every young black person that wants to go into the entertainment industry because most of the kids today don't have a clue. No, they no. don't have a clue. No. I call this the 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 untalented millennium. All, all you got to do is most of these recording artists can't sing. They couldn't carry a tune. Mm -hmm. It's done in the studio. Yeah. It's done with the board. That's why I said earlier, there's a lot of disconnects with what's happening today and the things that happened in the past. Okay, and as you, well, you and Red, you guys are pioneers with in the entertainment industry for blacks. But, you know, people, as you, and you also said this, that people don't know the story. So if they don't know the story, and now they're going they to know, but, but they, didn't, they don't know it. So they really, you know, they'll go and make their own judgment. They'll go and say this and that. And that's, that's or they'll Google, so they'll Google something and, and get a, yeah. little, a little blurb over here, a little blurb over yeah. there from some idiot who had nothing to do with the show yeah. and didn't have a clue. You'd be surprised to know the people that have interviewed me with all of these misapprehensions and things that they think happened. And I said, no, that never happened. Right. Oh, I thought it did. Uh, no, <laughs> no, yeah. that never happened. Red was difficult to work with. No, yeah. he but wasn't difficult to work with. He said to me, we are establishing something for future generations. He said, Demond, if we hang in there and do this thing right, long after I'm dead, people are still going to be watching us, son. Yeah, but you know something, you guys did do that. I'll tell you this much. It, it, for people, when they, as you said, when you go to the media and they're, they're interviewing you, so on and so forth, they, they're coming to you with stuff they read online. But, you know, it's, a better thing is just to ask you. And, and yeah, let, but, they, let, let, but you know, that's the, that's the Bible now. It's like, yeah. it's like patriotism is, is America's new religion right now. When right. I came home, I went down to Wall Street with my uniform on and all my ribbons. I got them in a shadow box. I'm sitting in my office looking at them right now. Hmm. People spat on me and called me a murderer. Yeah. And, 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 and told me to take that uniform off that I was a disgrace to my country. And now, every five minutes, everybody's singing the praises of 
the 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 soldiers that are that are being killed over there. And it's like for me, it's like, wait a minute, what what, what is this about? Yeah. <clears throat> I said that to somebody recently. I said the the new America's new religion is patriotism. They got upset with me until I until I ran my pedigree down on them and said I fought for this country. Right. Many of my friends didn't come back, and I was spat on when I got here. Now all of a sudden, you know, you're thanking me for serving. 30 some years ago in 1967, you're a day late in the Dallas Shard, Bob. Well, you went through, and I'm gonna, you went through rough times coming back, and I know during that time, it, it's amazing, and you're right, how, how views change, and they change, I guess, with the, I don't know, like the, the latest color, the latest flavor of the week, that type of thing. You know? And brainwashing. Yeah, bro, well, yeah, well, propaganda, the media, there you go. Yep. You know, the media, the media feeds you what they want to feed you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just just touching on you, you know, you can go and go on E-Network TV or whatever and see, uh, you know, the true life story and this and that and all that other jazz with, with anyone. And you know what? Is it really the true story or are they just telling you what... Mostly what, not. Yeah, what they want you to know. Mostly not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I don't pull any punches in this book. Um, it's good. not a hateful book. It just it just tells the truth. I, I have a photographic memory. It used to drive right up a wall when we were working together because he, he had a problem remembering lines. And I would go in and read in the morning and come back from lunch and, and commit to memory about 80% of a of a 100-page uh, script. And it used to drive him up, up the wall. As a matter of fact, he would have the stage manager put put his lines on the front door, on the kitchen door, on the coffee table, <laughs> in front of the TV where he was sitting in the chair. And just before a, a taping, I'd go t change the lines around. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Yeah. I know, we, were, we were in Vegas. And the, the, the jokes about Red in the book are hysterical. I can't tell them over the air. I can tell you one of them, though. Okay. We were in, we were in Vegas at Caesar's Palace one weekend, and Red's drink of choice was Chevis Regal. Mm -hmm. And his um, his his game of choice was Keno. Right. And one this one Friday night, he hit for like fifty grand, and he was about two and a half sheets to the win. And he, he stumbled his little short legs over to the store, and he bought an attaché case, a lock, and a chain. <laughs> and 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 then, and then he went and he went over to the desk and got a room, and he was headed to the elevator. And you know the group was there. We said, Fox, what are you doing? He says. I know y'all saw me win this money. So I'm going to go upstairs and put my money in this chain, this briefcase, and chain it to my arm and chain it to the bed. And we said, why? You, why? <laughs> he said, because if somebody's walking through the casino with a briefcase, ain't nobody going to think nothing. But if they drag an old Negro in the bed, somebody will stop <laughs> That's hilarious. And you, know, you, know, you know what's funny about that? He was serious. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I can, I could see him doing that too, and being serious about it. That's, that's hilarious. Oh, I'm sure. You see, yeah, I know you have a lot of stories, and I, I know. Uh, well, I can't tell a lot of them though, but they're in the book. Yeah, no, in the book, I, I do, I do recommend people get the book. Now, Demond, you know, they can go, they can go on the number, they can go on the number two. Mm -hmm. N is in Nancy, D is in David, banana dot net, and and three to five. Business days, they'll get the book, and it's a beautifully illustrated book. It's coffee table size. Nice. I made it that way so that it would be a conversation piece out on the coffee table. It's eleven by fourteen size, 
beautiful dust jacket, glossy, a beautiful illustration of Red and I, and the book is absolutely awesome. Nice. And 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 uh, the the reports, like I said, we saw in the book in Africa, in mm-hmm. East Africa, in West Africa, and and. Toronto, Canada, and and, and, and and British Columbia, and all over the United States, You're global. and Wales, and, and, and North London, and East London, and Scotland. The book is just, it's just an awesome, awesome book. And for any Sanford and Son fan, and all the books I autographed in the mm-hmm. back, on the last page, mm-hmm. is, my, is my autograph on there. I can't personalize them. People want them personalized, but it costs too much money because they're not. Co- people think I have a book in my house or something, and I'm sending them out. <laughs> they, they come from Mulvane, Kansas, and so when people order the book, the facilitating house shoots the book out to them. Mm-hmm. But if they want it personalized, it's going to cost them about seventy-five dollars because they got now they got to send the book to me, and I got to send it back, and then they got to send it again. Yeah. So, and I tell them all the time, this book is going to be very valuable in the next ten years. God forbid if I should die, it's going to be oh, really worth it. Oh, we're not going to talk um, about that stuff. You, you, this, this guy had a sheet of paper that I signed in 1978 from a magazine article. Mm-hmm. And it was sold on eBay about four months ago for $14,000. Just you? a sheet of paper from a magazine. Not, just a sheet of paper with my <laughs> signature on it. That, that, so that, now this book, if I personalize the book, mm-hmm. If they try to sell that book, it's, the value is going to go down. But if with just my signature on it, because I say on the very last page, may you find, may all of your dreams come true. I know mine have. Peace and love, Demond Wilson. It's on the very last page. So they are signed, but I, if I put to Bobby or Bishan or it's Cassandra, then the value is gone. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like you're doing this in your garage that you're knocking out the books and sending them out, you know. <laughs> Demar, let me ask you a question. Can I get personal with you for for a second? Because well, I'm not going to get so personal, but something that that uh, that I found out that I found interesting, and maybe you can give me some. Well, give us some you mean, insight. You mean you, you, something you heard? No, 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 no. Not something I heard. Something I that I read, and it's oh. not it's not a bad thing. You know, look, you've been married for a while. And I, 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 yeah, I just want to know what your secret is. That that's that's a personal that's question. No we have we have six children and three right. grandchildren. Okay. No secret. There is no, no secret. secret. No. No, 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 no. My my parents were married for 60, 65 years. Wow. God bless them. My my in laws were married for sixty one years. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I come from a family that stayed together. It's what you come from. I we yeah. I was not from a broken home. Right. My wife was not from a broken home. Our parents were together until they died. My mother went first, and then my father went, and her her father went first, and then her mother went, mm-hmm. and they were together. As a matter of fact, my wife went back when her mother passed away, mm-hmm. and she got her father's ashes mm-hmm. and her mother's ashes, and she dug a hole in their house in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and poured their ashes together by this big oak tree, hmm. and that's where the, that's that's their final resting place. Together forever, huh? No, we're not. You have to forever. Yeah. You have to be from that kind of background. You know, I wasn't from a broken home, right. and that's not to say that people that are, you know whose parents stay together won't get divorced. Mm-hmm. But I came up in a time where family was number one. My priorities, uh, Lewis, have always been God first, right? My family second, mm-hmm. and my career third. Right. Even if the career and when the career was full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. 
my priority again, my personal relationship with my creator. Number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, my family. Number three, my career, my whatever it is I'm doing. If you put anything in your life, you, me, or anybody, above your relationship with God, sooner or later, whatever you put above God is going to break your heart because mm -hmm. that is the Bible definition of idolatry. Mm -hmm. First commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, strength, soul, mind, and body, and him first. Mm -hmm. oh, and I, I, I believe that as well. You know, that's, why that's the secret. Yeah. That's the secret. Well, you know something I do. Because I can't be, you know, I can't. Kids break parents' hearts every day. Right. W women put their all in all in their man. Yeah. They catch him with another woman, and their heart is broken. Yeah. But when you put your faith and your trust and your hope and all your love in God first, it's nothing else down here can can shake you. Right. Well, I mean, what was Bush saying? If God be with me, who be against me? Type. Uh, I mean, that that does hold true. You know, and if you, yeah, I, I believe that mutual respect also plays a, a role in that too. And, and having yeah, a solid, and a sense uh, of humor. You know, we, we both have a sense of humor. We never lost the ability to laugh at ourselves and the world around us. That's good. You know, we goof all the time. We goof on each other. We goof on people. We goof. Right. And that's and humor is 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 a is a is a, is a thing that that keeps keeps people together as much as children. I mean, you know, we love our children, and uh, you know, like I said, I was. Raised like an only child, I have a sister, but she has a uh, has a son, my nephew, who's very close to me. We're like brothers. Mm -hmm. Who is uh, who? He runs Cable Visions back there and um, out there on the uh, out there by um, uh, what's the course out there with Tiger and play the Black Man? What's that course out there? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, on the island. It's over there where the Baldwin brothers live. Okay, all right. And we'll, we'll just Black. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I know what you're talking about. I forget, I forget the name. I forget Over that Winstead area. Okay, I, I forget the name of the place. But yeah. uh, you know, that's not important. But you know, it's it's. Um, I, I think it's 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 pretty. Um, I I, I want to commend you on on how you deal with your relationship. And you're right. You know, it comes down from the parents to the kids. You know, but if you don't have anything to look out to or look up to to forge your life, you got to kind of have to. Find something that you can adhere to, and well, yeah, you know, if God parents, is, parents, huh? Parents are your role model. I mean, people make athletes that bring their kids up to this basketball player, football player, like he's. That's just an athlete. That's what you. That's what my father told me when I started going to the Nick games back in 1952 when they had jumping Johnny Green, and 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 and, and I never thought of those guys of, of, about it other than the fact that they were athletes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I I loved the way they played, and and I applauded them for the gifts and the talents they mm -hmm. had. But you know, come on, well, people it's not are, a role model. Well, my people, father was my role model. But that that's good. But I'm saying that there are kids out there that don't have that. So it's you know for them it gets it gets a little difficult that they need to reach they need to to, to reach what are you out. Talking about orphan or no, one, no, one no, parent no. home? Yeah, sometimes one parent homes things of that well, nature. Well, mother's a mother can 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 teach a child that this is not the role model. Yeah. You got if she has a brother that's an uncle or a nephew or somebody older male figure. There's a lot of places where you can go. Teachers are role models. Policemen are role models. Firemen are role right. models. The parents are role models, not athletes. Right. Okay. Every time I turn around, you got one of these knuckleheads out here doing something stupid. No, without a doubt. If, I, if, I, if I'm making $30 million a year, mm -hmm. 
Why would I go to a club and drive if I'm going to get drunk? Yeah, and why you would you? You tell me I can't call up a limousine service and say, come pick me up yeah. or, or take me out. I'm going out drinking. You can drink as much as you want, and, and they can throw you in the limousine. But why don't you go out there driving a Ferrari, mm -hmm. and you one point whatever intoxicated with alcohol? That's just stupid. I'll give you one better. And that other knucklehead went to the, the club with a gun in his pocket yeah. and shot himself. Yeah, but Plaxico Barris, you know, and that right there was uh, the stupidest move I've ever seen. You know, you you you're afraid for your life. You hire a bodyguard. You know. You know, you They'll have money. They'll be happy to do it. Yeah, he, ha he had the money, but now he's in jail for two years. Well, everybody wants to be a gangster today. Yeah, but you know something? I mean, what, you, you're going to be here today, gone tomorrow. You know you know what's hard? That, that's easy. That's easy. You know what's harder? Uh, doing what you did. What, what you were teaching your son and what you taught the squeegee you got to do. That is harder. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're actually doing something great in this world and you're at, you're doing something great for yourself you know and you're helping to build this country i believe i believe and that's just my personal opinion yeah the book they can go to second banana and that book that the number two n is in nancy d is in david banana.net will link them to the truth you should know okay well what? And that's my first book that i wrote to the to the christian community mm -hmm. it's called the new age millennium an expose of symbols, mm -hmm. slogans, and hidden agendas. It took me 36 months to write that book. It took wow. me a year to write Second Banana, and wow. it's only like uh, 150 pages. Well, but it's 150 pages that's smack dag stock yeah. with information. But you, you this, took your time. Uh, you did it the right way. You're not, you didn't just put something together just to sell it. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. I, I know that you... Huh? I'm sorry. I know that you that you have some things to do, so I don't want to keep you too long. But I, I yeah, I got a, I yeah. got another interview in about ten minutes. Okay, then I have one last question for you. you Absolutely. Know, what What else are you doing with your ministry currently? Well, um, I, as I said, I'm coming to New York on the 19th and the 20th. I'll oh. be out in Bed Stuy, okay. and I'll be um, I'll be um, uh, in Inglewood. I'll oh. be down in the Oranges, and I'll be in Manhattan. Okay. Now, um, the people that are listening can follow me on Twitter and Facebook, and I'll give them exact places and addresses and dates. Okay. But I'll be in New York, probably come up in there around the 14th of December. Okay. And uh, in January, um, we're off to Detroit to, to do the movie Faith Ties, okay. which, is filming, uh, which is filming in Detroit. Okay, excellent. You know, and they can go to they can go find that out on Twitter, or Facebook. Yeah, they can follow me yeah. on Facebook and Twitter, and I'll okay. I post to I posted you today. I spelled your name wrong. I didn't realize it until after I had posted it. But yeah, that's okay. I spelled it B A L A. Yeah, you, you messed me all up. <laughs> that's okay. At least you at least you remembered me. <laughs> Which is a good thing. You know, Demond, I look. I, I, hold hold my number, go. man. I love you too, brother. Hold my number. And, yes. And and. On the on around around the fourteenth, give me a holler and and I'll let you know what my plans are. No, no doubt, no doubt when about we, it. We can, hook, we can hook up. Yeah, I just want to tell you something uh, before I let you go. I really want to thank you for taking time out to be on the UCW radio show with us today. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm both honored and privileged to have had the opportunity to have you on the show. I think you're a great guy. Not for what you did with Sanford and Son and all that stuff. That's fantastic because you were a trailblazer, as you said, a pioneer, and you set the standard. 
and you open up doors, you know, that were closed. And you open them up. And a lot of people don't know this, but you did do that. Okay. But what, what I like to do, if it's okay with you, is to have you back on the show down the road so we can talk about your ministry and what you have going on. Because I know you, you're, you're always evolving. We're, we're, we're evolving people. We're always evolving. I know that in six months a year, you can have other things going on, other projects and helping people. And you know, we love these inspirational stories. Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure, man. Excellent, Demont. Thank you so much. And I'll be in touch with you uh, when, uh, when, when you're going to be in town. I'll give you a jingle, and then uh, we'll uh, figure everything out. God bless you, brother. Same here. <laughs> What is your major malfunction? All let it be written. All let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.